Welcome to Creation Training. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and we have a ministry called Creation Training Initiative, where we train people how to speak and teach on biblical creation and this thing called apologetics, learning how to defend your faith. Well, this time with us, we have back a returning guest, Dr. Thomas Kendall. And last time, uh, we talked quite a bit about some amazing creatures that God Amen. designed at first. Yes, he did. And Today, I want to focus in on a specific topic where we can actually say God designed it first, and He's the only one to be able to design it because mankind right. hadn't been able to duplicate this particular exactly. design. Exactly, yes. So this is going to be a fascinating one. God designed it. Our best scientists in the world can't <clears throat> reproduce it. So this is an amazing design by God it again. Is. yes. And it's a topic called the origin of life. And I want to talk mm -hmm. all about that because this is a win for creationists. It's an absolute yeah. win. Slam dunk. Yes. So, Dr. Kendall, tell us uh, just briefly about yourself again. What's, where do you live? And uh... Well, I live down in southern Oregon, the largest city in southern Oregon, southwestern Oregon, Medford. And I was actually born there and came back there after my uh, uh, college and graduate education because uh, my friends and family are there. And it, it kind of seems to be the place where God wants me to be positioned in, in my traveling teaching ministry. I'm the founder and president of Reasons for Faith uh, Ministries, Incorporated, a nonprofit uh, uh, ministry uh, dedicated to equipping believers for giving a good answer like the scripture admonishes us to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's within you and uh, nowadays there's so many challenges especially from science and alleged science like evolution that we really need to obey that command and study up and be prepared because uh, the world is very hostile and they think they have the upper edge in science when really they don't. And you have a website where they can contact I do you. have a website. Uh, it's at uh, Kindell, which is my last name, K-I-N-D-E-L-L dot N-W-Creation dot net. Okay. And it's hosted at the Northwest uh, Creation Association site. So it's Reasons for Faith website, but they host it, and that's why it has the N-W Creation part in it. And before we get started, uh, what we're going to talk about is going to be fascinating. Is this on a DVD that you have? It is. I cover it largely on part one of my two DVD set on refuting textbook arguments for evolution. Fascinating yeah. topic right there. Because 90% yes. <coughs> of our Christian students, about 90% go to public schools and need I to know. know this information. And as you've often pointed out, about 70% of uh, children raised in Christian homes and in the church uh, after leaving the home fall away from the faith or just... You know, they lost their faith even earlier on, but they don't profess that until after they leave the home. So stay, stay tuned on this one, parents out there. This is going to help you with your children mm -hmm. to maintain their faith in God's Word and not be taken away by the world into a false philosophy called evolutionism. We're going to talk about God's amazing design here, and it's going to be the origin of life. Amen. So why is that such an important topic here? Well, the evolutionists claim that we don't need God to create anything. We don't need a designer. Natural forces, natural processes of chemistry, physics, and time are sufficient. And therefore, we're not beholden to any higher power. And there's no higher power with absolute authority to say what is right and what is wrong. We can make, be our own gods, make up our own morality, run our life the way we want. And at the end, we do not face any judgment for anything we've done wrong. That's extremely appealing to a lot of people. And I think that's the main motivation for wanting to believe that life could happen by itself and did not need an intelligent designer to make it happen. Unfortunately for them, all the facts of history and science and mathematics is against them. 
they have a, a desperate emotional need to believe there is no God, but the facts cry out that there must be. It's the only logical explanation in light of the evidence. And one of the things about our teachers, not all teachers believe in all this evolutionism, mm -hmm. and even in public schools and non-Christians sometimes don't believe in all this evolutionism mm -hmm. necessarily. Right. But they're forced to teach it, and that's what our country has come down to, right. forcefully making people believe evolution. Oh, that, that's the interesting thing right there. They have to appeal to the courts and use the power of the courts and the law to force this to be taught. If it really was the all-powerful unifying principle of biology that they claim it to be, it could stand up on its own two feet and defend itself. Yes. But instead they have to bring in the courts to defend it because in the open marketplace of ideas, if it had to win the debate, it would lose. And I think in their hearts they know that. So they have to have a monopoly, the courts have to enforce it, they can't stand up and defend themselves because they really have no defense against the facts of science. Right, now this origin of life, why is it so difficult for evolutionists to <clears throat> get around this? Well, Darwin wrote a book which started the Darwinian revolution on the origin of species, you know, by means of natural selection. And the title of the book implies that he has a theory that without God can explain the origin of the species, okay? In their scenario, what would be the first species that they would therefore be obligated to explain? The first living cell. That is a species, like it or not. Now nowadays, they know that they have nothing in this area. They have no experiments, they have no math, physics, chemistry that supports it, it's all against it. They know it, it's, a, it's a dead end for them. And so they try to say, well, Darwinism has nothing to do with the origin of the first cell or the first life. Wrong. His book even says it's about the origin of species and the first cell is the first species. Now, if you can't get that first species, it can't evolve into any other species. You're dead at square one, you have a theory that doesn't work. So Darwin, the whole idea of Darwin rests on the fact that right. evolution, so-called so fact of evolution and how that cell came about exactly. by itself, if, natural if you, processes. Yeah, if, if everything is against them and they cannot even explain the first species, then forget about talking about anything else. If you need God to get the first species, and that's what they're trying to get away from, then you need God. That's and if why, you do have such a God, why believe you had to use evolution for anything else? So that's why they kind of ignore this thing. And I read these textbooks mm -hmm. and how they gloss over it and give oh, the yeah. implication right. that they've done this when well, it's all false yeah, information. They, they act like it, because we say it evolved, it did. But saying it doesn't make it so. In science, you've got to prove it. You've got to put up or shut up. And in real science, you've got to show experiments back this up. It's feasible, it's plausible, the experimental support is there. The laws of chemistry and physics agree with it and promote it. Mathematics is not against it, it's for it. But exactly the opposite is true. Everything is against it. And they're so wary of that that they keep trying to say, well, we don't want to talk about the origin of the first cell. That's really not part of evolutionism, when really it is. It's that they acknowledge they have no defense. Yes. But it is a fatal problem. If they're going to explain life without God, they have to explain that first species, like it or not, and they have nothing that they can do. So they have a large gap in their whole philosophy. Yeah, a fatal gap. Well, let's go into this and let's mm -hmm. see why it's so hard for them. Let's, let's get down to the tiny bits here, and mm -hmm. this is not going to be difficult, right? Mm -hmm. We're no. going to make this as We're simple make as it possible. We're going to make it as simple as we can. So let's do a review but, of what yeah, the terms. The first thing we have to realize is that the cell is not simple. The concept of a simple cell is a myth. We know today that a single tiniest prokaryotic bacterium that can live and metabolize and reproduce it is more complex than any machine man has ever created, and many admit it's more complex than any machine man has ever dared dream of creating. It's like a big factory city, a factory city that builds itself, maintains itself, repairs itself, and then wonder of wonders, it reproduces a virtual exact copy of itself over and over again, without outside maintenance or repair, fully self-contained. We only dream of building machines like that. We don't have the technology even in the 21st century. 
but somebody had the wisdom and the technology to do it from the beginning. And the only precedent we have for what makes life tick at the molecular level, information, blueprint information that guides and directs the building and the direction of everything that happens, somebody had to write that down. You never in the history of science or the history of the world get information without an intelligent author to put it there. And it has meaning. It's written by an intelligent author. It's meant to be sent to an intelligent receiver who can understand the information and take action or to a system designed to understand the information and take appropriate action, such as a robot or whatever, a computer or whatever. But it always originates with intelligence and is received by something that at least has artificial intelligence or has been intelligently programmed to know how to use it. It's exactly what we see in biology. Somebody set up a system of information and complex robotic systems at the molecular level that understand it, can translate it over and over and build up all the complex uh, structures and species in the living world. Like you said, that, that information or idea is more complex than any operating system mankind's ever made. Yep. And I guarantee you, <laughs> our operating systems on our computers, like the Windows operating system, did not happen by random chance at all. It right. took a lot right. of intelligence, and they still have problems. Right. Yeah, and Bill Gates said the DNA is by far and away the most uh, complicated and sophisticated information storage and retrieval system known to exist. It vastly outpaces our computer technology. Now let's get into this. Um, and when I heard you speak, you talked about these concepts called like amino acids and proteins. Mm -hmm. What are these things, and why are they so difficult for mankind to well, the, the, the origin of life requires us to get this cell, and it is irreducibly complex. It has many different parts that have to work together, and if all the parts don't work together uh, interdependently, then the system as a whole is inoperative. The cell can't live. It can't reproduce. So it's not like we get proteins, you get DNA, you get ribosomes, you get a cell membrane, you get them piece by piece, piecemeal over time. The thing can't survive, it'll fall apart, it can't repair itself, it can't hold out against the, the law of increasing disorder, the second law, unless it can harness energy and build itself up and ultimately reproduce itself, or when it dies it's the end of the species without reproduction. So life basically have to, has to have those three very hard things to get. Uh, it has to have metabolism, the ability to take in energy and use it. It has to have homeostasis, which means keeping everything running smoothly as it should without things getting into chaos and destruction and it has to have reproduction, without which you can't perpetuate the species. Those three things are enormously hard to get. It's not simple at all, and you have to have things like proteins, which are the molecules of structure and function and regulation. Uh, structural proteins, of course, make up body tissues and organs, things like that. Uh, enzymes are catalytic proteins that catalyze specific chemical reactions that are needed for processing food and energy, and you have to have hormones for regulating certain things going on. Those are all uh, amino acid building blocks, kind of like you know, building blocks that you would have with alphabet blocks. You have to put those alphabet blocks in the right order, connected to one another to spell out a message with alphabet blocks. Okay. Very similar with proteins. We have 20 amino acids, which are like the alphabet of the, of the protein language, and they have to, put to be put together precisely like those letters in a sentence to really work. No just random organization would work, just like with language. But it's even worse, because the order of the amino acids not only spells out a chemical message, it contributes to the uh, tertiary structure, which means they have to fold and bond in a specific three-dimensional pattern. And just one wrong amino acid in the wrong place, it folds the wrong way. Okay. And it's like having a lock and key where all of a sudden you have a little tooth in that key and it doesn't matter all the other tooth are right. That little tooth keeps it from working. So these one amino defect. acids get come together, get bond together, 
And that takes information to get the right ones, is what you're saying. You said they'd be exactly. right Exactly. Just and like letters in a sentence. you got to have the right There's only 20 to use in life, but there's hundreds of different amino acids out there. There are hundreds of non-biological amino right, acids. But only yeah. 20 are used in yeah. life, so if these we get are, the wrong ones, These are simple trouble. chemical compounds composed of atoms, but they have to be of the right kind. Any of those hundreds of non-biological ones, if you get them uh, incorporated in, it'd be like having alphabet blocks, but you have non alphabetical symbols that nobody even understands, not even the Chinese, just weird symbols, and they get incorporated in there, and it fouls up the language. It can't be used. Okay. So you have to somehow exclude all these non-biological compounds, and the vast preponderance of what you get out of origin life experiments are non-biological, toxic, lethal compounds that if they, even one gets incorporated, you've ruined the protein. So somehow we've got to get the right amino acids out of the hundreds that are out there, only 20 can be used, well, yeah. and they have to be in the right order. <laughs> right. Somebody's got to do that. And worse than that, raw energy is easier at producing even simpler compounds like uh, carboxylic acids, aldehydes, and simple amines, which are like uh, a one-armed bandit. You know, uh, an analogy of the protein amino acids would be like men with two arms that can link arms and form a chain. Well, the amines only have one arm. If he links to the chain, he doesn't have an arm anybody else can link to. It dead ends the protein. And they're much more preponderance based on the experiments than the actual amino acids. So there's a, there's a tremendous probability problem right there with, with evolution. Oh, yeah. You got the right amino acids mm -hmm. in the right order. And when I heard you talk about this, that's just the basis there. It gets better and better, doesn't it? Yes. Well, it's not just the order that has to be correct. You have to have the right bonds. They can bond in different ways, but only the alpha bonds work for the correct structure and the folding of the protein. If you have multiple different bonds and there's no law of chemistry or physics that says only the right bond will work, it's forced to work. No, the other bonds are equally probable. So you might have a one in four probability or so of getting the right bond at each step in the chain. One out of four times one out of four times one out of four to an average size of a protein being about 400 amino acids. That would be one in four to the 400th power. So right there, you've got you know a number that exceeds vastly the number of uh, uh, protons, electrons, and neutrons in the entire observable universe. And, and, and that's just one feature. There are many others that have to be multiplied this, this, in. This is like Romans 1, 19 and 20, ladies and gentlemen. God's given us all the evidence, and no one out there has an excuse for not believing in a creator. This is great. And I heard you talking about some hands. Yes. I mean, you know, we live in a left and right-handed world in more way than one, and that is that the alpha amino acids used in biological proteins have to be of an exclusively left-handed configuration. Right-handed is also possible. It's just like your hands, your fingers and thumbs are very similar. You have the same kind of fingers and thumbs and palms, but they exist as mirror images of each other and they're not superimposable. That's why a left-handed glove won't fit properly in a right hand. There's a three-dimensional difference. And it doesn't seem big because they have the same constituent atoms, but that mirror image difference in the arrangement makes a whale of a difference biologically. If you get just one right-handed amino acid incorporated in a protein sequence, it destroys the function of that polymer. It can't uh, work with other enzymes. It can't cooperate with other systems in the cell. So life is exclusively left-handed in its protein structure, yet right-handed amino acids are equally probable to be in the environment and equally probable to bond in there. There's no law that says they're excluded, you know, physically or chemically. So it's based like chance. It's like flipping pennies. But you have to flip 400 pennies to get an average size of protein, all left-handed. In this case, we'll say all heads. One out of two probability. Laws of probability state to get a sequence like that all in one place in one time, you have to multiply the individual probability of each step. So it's one out of two times one out of two times one out of two to the power of 400. And converting that logarithmically to base 10, again, we're getting the number that vastly exceeds billions, trillions, quadrillions, quintillions of times greater than all the atoms in the universe. 
Numbers like that cannot be overcome even if you have trillions of years of time and all the atoms in the universe at your disposal randomly mixing together. You can't overcome that number, but it can be overcome very easily by intelligence. We give a six-year-old 400 pennies, say lay them out on the floor with your limited intelligence, all heads up, no tails. They could do it in a matter of minutes. They could achieve in minutes what chance could not achieve with trillions of years in the entire universe at its disposal. That tells you something. Certain designs never originate by chance, but only by intelligent design, Good and example. all the facts show that that is true. That, that helps me understand that now. Yeah. It <laughs> takes intelligence and design to That's get all the, the heads. It takes yes. intelligence and design to get only left-handed amino acids. Right. So let's go back now. We got hundreds of different types of amino acids. Amino yeah, but only 20 are but used. But only to 20 are used. Get the yeah. wrong ones, we're in trouble. And we've got even more hundreds of non-biological compounds that also can incorporate yes. in. And of those 20, they have to be in the right order, or right. it doesn't work. They have to be at the right bonds. They have to have the right bonds and, and the all, right left-handed configuration. Left yes. This is incredible. And all those have to be multiplied together according to the laws of probability. So you get numbers that, again, we can't comprehend, you know. Uh, Electrons are so tiny, they estimate, we don't even know for sure what their size, but it might take 2.5 quadrillion in a single line to stack up to one inch high. And yet, these numbers are so big that you could have trillions and trillions and quadrillions of universes packed solid with electrons and it wouldn't equal this improbability number. And we're still trying to work at getting a small biological protein, because I understand they go up to about 30,000 amino acids in size, some of these proteins. Yeah. yeah That's they, the largest ones. The largest ones, But yeah. we're only talking about 400? Yeah, 400 yeah, is about the average. average. Yeah, but and that's we can't do way that. beyond the threshold of impossibility. Yes. Yeah, and cells have hundreds to thousands of proteins in them. Yes, yes, and we and can't get one. Yeah, no, not not by chance, and not by laws of chemistry and physics. Another major problem for them is one of the most thoroughly proven laws in all of science and all of physics is the second law of thermodynamics. Yeah. It was first formulated with that title because it was developed, I believe, with Lord Kelvin working with steam engines, and the name actually means thermo heat and dynamics motion. Uh, but it, it now is realized to cover everything. Uh, in the whole universe, it, the law basically states that with time, everything goes from order to disorder, from complexity to simplicity. And in the energy sense, uh, heat flows from hot to cold, but it also means that in any work that is done, you always lose. You can't break even. You always lose something to heat dissipation. And the, although the energy is still there, it, it converts into a dissipated uh, form that can no longer be harnessed for useful work. So you're always losing out from usable energy that can be useful, and it's converting into unusable energy called entropy. Let me, let me be in a, uh, throw <laughs> a wrinkle here. Okay. And I've heard this one, and, and I right. heard you answer it the yes. other day. Yeah. We live in what's called an open system here on this earth. Right. And the sun adds energy to on, onto the earth. Right. So adding that energy was the challenge. Mm -hmm. Adding that energy will allow these molecules to work and tug and become the right ones. Right. And build a protein. Now, What's yeah, wrong with they're that? They're making a big assumption because just raw energy, unless it's harnessed and directed, is useless. You can't do anything. An uh, analogy I use is, say, you've got this big heavy pickup truck and you need to get it up to a top of a steep hill. It's way too hard for you to push. And you happen to have plenty of gasoline cans all over the place. Plenty of chemical energy there that you know can propel that pickup to the top of the hill. There's only one problem. There's no engine in your pickup. So having available energy, unless you have a machine that can convert that energy from, in this case, chemical energy into kinetic energy, you know, through the internal combustion engine, push that thing uphill, who cares how much? You could be sitting on tons of gasoline, but you have no engine to use it with. The same is true with sun. We have the sunlight, but sunlight is converted in biology through photosynthesis. Enormously complex uh, chemical process, more complex than any of our machinery. 
and you have to have that complex machinery pre-existing there to convert the solar energy. Uh, the only way they can get out of that dilemma is to say, well, solar energy produces machines. I'd like to see the experiment to show that. You know, It's never been seen in the history of the world, but without those pre-existing conversion machines, the solar energy is worthless and even destructive because of the ultraviolet light. So you have to get in the primitive ocean, these random simple chemicals not only have to come together against probability, the physical law says that they will break down. They will go downward, not upward, unless you have a machine that can force them to be built up. But the only way to power the machine is with the sun, and the sun won't work unless you have a machine already to convert the sun. The sunlight doesn't produce machines, and without machines to convert it, you're destined to go downhill by the second law. There's no way to build those machines. Just saying sunlight's available is worthless, like saying, well, the truck will go up the hill because we have gasoline. Well, you don't have an engine, my friend. Gasoline is worthless. So is the sunlight. So the really only answer to all of this, when we talk about the origin of life, is there has to be a creator God. Isn't it sad people will deny that and run from that? In other words, they're running from the only possible solution in their life. Right. And it's right there for them. Well, God has said, I am here. They're running from the greatest truth the human heart can yes. embrace. We have meaning. We have purpose. We're created by a God who loves us. He's holy, so he can't have fellowship with sinful beings. We're all sinful because of the fall of man and because of our own choice for sin. But God has the solution through the death of his own son to defeat the power of sin, the presence of sin forever. He offers us an eternal kingdom where his, we're his royal children forever in a beautiful universe with no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, no more curse, no more death. All the terrible things here are not what God created. He created it very good. What happened was man rebelled against God, brought a curse on the creation, and so we get a taste of hell. I tell people, you don't like the bad things in this life? It's a taste of hell. Make sure you don't go to hell. All the good things remnant from God's original creation, you know, the beautiful things, the fun things, the loving things, that's a remnant of his good creation he made at the beginning. That's a taste of heaven. So if you like the good things, taste of heaven, make sure you go to heaven. If you don't like the bad things, make sure you don't go to hell. So this, this the origin of life. Now, what's the name of that DVD again? Uh, it's called the Refuting Textbook Arguments for Evolution, Part 1. And if you have somebody in your family, somebody you know, that is believing in evolutionism, and, want, and this is a great video for showing them that the scientific evidence does not support evolutionism. It supports a design by a creator God. So get this video, and how can they get this? What's your website again? Uh, the website is my last name, Kindell, K-I-N-D-E-L-L, dot N-W creation, stands for Northwest Creation, so Kindle dot N-W creation dot net. So it's my website for Reasons for Faith Ministry is hosted at the Northwest Creation Association site, and so that's, that's how you get to it. Uh, you can Google me, Dr. Thomas Kindle, on, on the, the Internet, and you can bring up my site that way, too. So excellent information here. And we're, we're, next time you're through here, we've mm. we got to get some more of those amazing creatures. You oh, did yeah, the there's, previous plenty, there's plenty more. Yeah. I, I listened to that talk uh, recently, and, mm. and you just went on and on. The incredible design we mm. see everywhere in nature, mm. but God created it first. Mm. I want to thank you so much, and get this video. It will just be, amaze you and your friends who believe in evolutionism. Mm. Again, I'm Mike Riddle. Our website is creationtraining.org if you'd like to contact us. And we have many, many more videos out there for you to watch. Over 80 different 30-minute videos are there on our website for free. Thank you, and God bless you. Our online videos are free for anyone to view or download. However, it does take finances to continue producing these programs. If these lessons have been helpful, you might consider supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can mail a check to CTI, 
Post Office Box 2415, Eagle, Idaho 83616. Or you can go to our website, creationtraining.org, and make your donations that way. Your donations of $20, $100, or more will enable us to continue to share the good news of God's Word worldwide. As it states in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Thank you and God bless.